Welcome back to the Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the sex, tech, and design episode featuring T. Chang. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. T is a feminist industrial designer bridging modern design and activism. She is the co-founder and VP of design of Crave, which is a San Francisco-based company, which specializes in pleasure products that look as good as they feel. And I'm wearing, okay, let me see. I'm going to hold it. Can you hear it? Yes. (laughs) I have mine on. So I've actually um, shown off your products before um, as someone who uses them to calm down, not even for sexual play purposes, but uh-huh. as an autistic person um, with anxiety, I love having something just to press to my sternum. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard that before. Um, no, but I love it. Good. Well, I'm a big fan. And then full disclosure, um, I'm an affiliate for your products. So when I sell some of your stuff through my website, I get a tiny portion. Thank you for supporting feminine people everywhere. Um, so you've won a bunch of awards. Uh, International Design Awards. So you've been featured in Nordstrom, MoMA Design Store. Ooh, is that the Museum of Modern Art? Yes, it is. Okay, so you made my favorite vibrator necklace, uh, my only vibrator necklace. What was the first vibrator you ever owned, T? Oh, wow. This was (laughs) back in, I would say, uh, sophomore year in college, it was a like a white long plastic bullet vibrator that has one of those rotary uh, turn knobs at the end, and I'm pretty sure you put some kind of like either double A or C size battery, something large like that. That was my very first one. You basically yeah. just described my very first one. What color was it again? It was white with okay. like a red and black knob at the end. Yeah. Mine was purple with a black knob at the end. Uh. I think mine was like, I think it was like five inches long. And I just remember I was actually, I was a sophomore in high school. You said college. I got mine because my older boyfriend bought it for me, which I'm not going to have a discussion about teenagers using sex toys because I'm a parent. So I'll have a conversation with my kid about learn your body later. Um, But your stuff is designed for adults. But as youngsters, we were very limited. Like the stuff coming out now on the market for adults is amazing. Oh, I know. It, it is a, such a different era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some examples? And I asked my audience, we'll, we'll hear from them in a little bit. What do you think are some examples of poorly informed design or like bad design? So I think... Because of my background as an industrial designer, I, I look at design from, I would say, a um, uh, a trained sense of design. Uh, because design is one of those soft words that people like to throw around, but they don't necessarily really know, you know what that means. They Sometimes people equate design to like taste, um, which to some people, you know, totally valid. Everyone ha- can have their own taste. But when you talk about things that are well designed, I think there's a very um, set of... Um, parameters, I I believe. Um, So to me, bad designs are products that just don't map to the experiences that people want, Hmm. very simply. Mm -hmm. And I think when when we were coming up purchasing sex toys, those products were not really designed with us in mind. Because when we thought about, if you think about like the experience of sex toys, I think shame has, shame and embarrassment 
is kind of a given. We just kind of make do with it. We're just like, oh yeah, you're going to be embarrassed about it. And so we're going to have to hide it because we're ashamed of it because we don't want people to find it. Mm -hmm. As someone who sold sex toys for four years, absolutely. Dealing with the customer shame is such a huge part of it. Do you deal with, do you experience that? Totally. I think it's that because I'm a designer, I'm actually extra sensitive to that shame and embarrassment because I, I analyze products and that just should not be part of the user experience to put it in a very you know designery way is that you shouldn't feel embarrassed about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, and, and because of the form, because of how it's made and the way it looks, it makes you feel a certain way. And that's just bad design. I remember... Um... And this is just one person's preference, but I remember, no, I'm sorry, not just one because I experienced it multiple times, but something I would hear sometimes from self-identified lesbian clients, they would say, I'm a lesbian. I want something that vibrates that's phallic, but does not have balls on it. <laughs> like, or this yeah. other lady, she's like, I cut the testicles off with scissors like, <laughs> because I don't, you know, and that oh was, again, that right. was in like 20, almost 20 years ago, but right. we need options. Yeah. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And I am not saying that people shouldn't own things that, you know, are phallic or have balls on it or without balls on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those things already exist. When I started designing sex toys, which was in 2008. So I've been doing this for like 12 going on 13 years. I, as a designer, I looked, I looked at what was available on the market. Okay. And for me, I personally want to put design forward that did not exist before and also have a reason to exist. And clitoral vibrators that are elegant, that you don't feel embarrassed about, just wasn't a thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think a lot of people actually purchase phallic toys and they only use it externally. Um, that's at mm-hmm. least how I use my first vibrator because mm-hmm. I actually tried to insert it and I was like, ouch! Yeah! <laughs> uh, because mine had a really pointy, it's yes. a perfectly straight bullet that it doesn't map to the anatomy. You know, and that's another reason why I think those are examples of bad sex toys is that when it just doesn't provide the experience that you want and it wasn't designed with a user in mind. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people that design them, again, males without vaginas uh, originally. So, yeah, I remember thinking like, oh, I think I'm poking my cervix. Is this am I doing it right? (laughs) No, right. No. And, and I think it goes back to the history of where a lot of those products came from is that they really came from the porn production companies that mm-hmm. view this as opportunistic. Mm-hmm. And they thought, oh, this is great. And so, you know, because there were such large conglomerates, such, you know, huge businesses, they were able to pump a lot of products of basically what men think women want mm-hmm. into the market. Mm-hmm. And and just kind of saturated. And we think that's sort of what was out there. And we didn't, most people, you know, we didn't really have an option because that was what was on the market. And so we learned to kind of make do. It's like men designing stuff for mostly male consumers, because I remember here, I just had another uh, flashback to the porn shop. These two guys came in, they were super excited. They're like, do you have this one video with this one toy? And they're trying to describe it. And it maybe sounded like a rabbit or something now that I look back, but they're like, oh, the women and we saw this porno and the women were just going crazy. And I remember thinking like, okay, porn is performative, first of all. Right. It's It's acting. Right. It's it's acting much of the time. It's created for a visual consumer, not a touch recipient. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. We see how that happens. Yeah. I mean, my goal is that I hope that 
what I design is a stepping stone in the progression of novelty products becoming serious consumer products, as they should be. Um, mm-hmm. Because of my training, you know, I have designed bicycles, I've designed hairbrushes, and these are, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And, you know, there's a certain rigor um, when it comes to creating products and product development. And I think in the past, because of the taboo nature, where our culture was, you know, back then decades ago, you know, kind of when you and I were coming up, mm-hmm. they didn't apply design rigor to that because it was not considered kind of worthy of design. You know, there's so much taboo. So you didn't get a lot of designers or mm-hmm. engineers or serious business people that wanted to um, make these products better or treat it as a serious business. Right. But nowadays, yeah, that has all kind of changed, you know, the, you know, you have companies that are coming up, you know, that were created by millennials who, you know, they want what they want and they're not going to make do with less and they're getting funding, you know, and the, they're hiring designers and, you know, CES had us officially on the show floor only in 2020, you know, CES <laughs> is significant. Oh, sorry. CES is a, called a consumer electronics show, which is the largest Ooh. consumer show in the whole world when it oh, comes wow. to anything that is manufactured. So you have players like Samsung, Mercedes, wow. um, anything that has electronics and has technology. And they let you be show. there as a sex tech designer. They let you be there. Is yeah, for the first right time now. in 2020. Yeah, for the first wow. time in 2020, which is wow. a which is important, I think, cultural indicator mm-hmm. that they're treating this as serious consumer. Products. I hope they don't walk that back. So what I'm hearing is we're back to shame because when people are feel sex negative and shameful and embarrassed about stuff, then they have low or poor expectations. There's not going to be a lot of investment. And I see this with strip clubs. You know, it's like a lot of times cities will, due to zoning, stick them in poor or industrial neighborhoods because they want them, you know, out of sight. They justify to protect like traditional families. So they say, but what you're doing is really everyone who wants to seek out consensual touch, you're kind of putting them in dangerous, undesirable circumstances. I agree. I feel like when you present um, your service in a certain way, it's going to make people feel a certain type of way. Whereas if you present it in a different, if it was in a different neighborhood, you know, it it helps to legitimize what you do. You know, mm-hmm. and so for us to be at, you know, for example, at, at CES, um, it legitimizes this category to society, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Um, I have a weird thought. How do you feel about and and things are complex and, and it, I don't believe in black or white thinking at all. But how do you feel about sex toys in the mall? At, uh... I have no issues with it. I think I have no I I. I you know, I think that is actually a very progressive thing for to have done, you know, way back when. Um, I've never, I've never asked anybody that, especially on the spot, but I'm thinking like it should be accessible. Here's what I think. Sex toys should be accessible to all kinds of people, even teenagers, because folks want to explore their bodies and like it or not, teenagers have sexual encounters with each other and a lot of pre-teenagers do too. Um, However, the downside is when you stick it in a silly uh, framework. So the mall where it's a novelty store, you have stuff like the cheap lotion flavored, burning, crappy plastic products that people will buy because it's the only thing they can get to. 
So it's yeah. not bad that it's there, but it's not necessarily well-maintained is what I'm saying. Correct. And I think that goes back to also the kind of products that are available at that price point. Um, mm. Oftentimes those are not made with the rigor, you know, of more of the modern companies where, um, you know, in order to have quality products, there is a certain price point and there's always going to be a market for the lower end products with questionable materials and design mm-hmm. and manufacturing, you know, practices, you know, and, and that's unfortunate. So hopefully, you know, if Spencer wants to continue, you know, to carry these products, you know, I have no issues with that, but it's it, now they have better selections to choose from. Mm-hmm. And I hope, I been encourage, there a long time. yeah, I hope and encourage wholesalers to, um, to retailers to to think deeply, you know, about what selections they choose to put in the store instead of just looking at the price margins. You know, mm-hmm. buying something for dirt cheap that's not well made and could mm-hmm. have toxic materials and ramifications, and you know, it, just mm-hmm. looking at the price margin. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say, don't buy any toy that is the if it's like the squishy kind of. It says it's made of jelly. Yeah, <laughs> going to give you an infection. <laughs> Um, probably don't put anything on a vagina if it's called lotion. Lotion is for blowjobs on penises. I'm sorry. Don't put it in a vagina. It's probably got sugar in it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know enough. Yeah, I don't know enough about um, the actual, you know, makeup of some of these consumable products like lotions and, and things like that. Um, but I do know what you mentioned, you know, with the jelly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a legacy of past manufacturers I, I mean there's still manufacturers that probably still do this and so oh, yeah you know if you're going to use stuff yeah and like you know one of the tips i've heard from sex educators um is that if you're using a product that you don't know where it came from or what it is put a condom on it mm-hmm. before you use it mm-hmm. yep is that that beyonce song no i think that's put a ring on it <laughs> bad joke um should we put a condom on it that's a good idea Um, Okay, so I asked some of my listeners, what are some common design issues you experience with sex toys? Let me hear your thoughts. Someone says, when vibrator buttons are too close together. Uh, Someone says, I don't like it when the handles are too short and I can't reach my genitals. So longer handles, maybe. Someone says, don't trust toys on clearance. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. You know, that's what I say about like tattooing or any body modification. If it's on Groupon, don't do it to yourself. (laughs) Invest in your body if you can afford it. Please don't Groupon. Um, Keep your body like a temple. Yeah. Yes. Sanctuary. Uh, someone says my Hitachi shot sparks and short circuited my apartment. Okay. That might be an electrical issue. I don't know. I don't know. You know, yeah. uh, you're not supposed to let those things run longer for the, like 15 or 20 minutes, typically. Yeah, the, the thing with, I mean, Hitachi, it depends because there's so many knockoffs as mm. well as um, wand type products that are not necessarily, you know, the magic wand, Hitachi, the original, you know, manufacturer. Um, right. You know, when it can have questionable the electricity electronic chips that they use in there or, and, or also, uh, you know, this could happen is that in, in their home, the way that is plugged in, maybe is plugged into something that mm-hmm. couldn't take the load or they shouldn't, mm-hmm. or they have something else that's interfering with it. You know, there, there's a whole host of things that could go into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, what you said about it being an off-brand. I was I was reticent to say Hitachi because I don't know if this person is correct and it is one or if they're using it as a general term. Um, this person says, yes, don't use Amazon sex toys because aren't there a lot of knockoffs on Amazon? Yeah, the Hitachi, you know, that was the original. What I know is that they were the original manufacturer and then, you know, it's a Japanese company. And then when this magic wand became so popular, you know, they, as a conservative Japanese company, could not really like deal with it. And so they actually sold off that particular product to create a new brand, you know, called the Magic Wand. And that has lived on. Um, But there's something to that form factor that is just a classic. People love it because first of all, I mean, I can talk about it from a design standpoint is that it has a large (laughs) head, you know? Yeah. Yeah, It has a very large head. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. I hump it like yeah. every day so I don't scream at people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, be, it has such a large <laughs> head. It creates a lot of surface area. And because it's a corded product, because the original was a corded product, mm-hmm. it can deliver so much power. So it's like almost like sitting on a washing machine. <laughs> uh, but it just – Very it, centralized love- washing machine, yes. Right. But however, for, for people who want that kind of stimulation, who love that, there is, there's just no match. It was the first product of its kind that had this long handle, very easy to use buttons, and this head that was just super rumbly and just covered you know a lot of surface area. Mm-hmm. So that has become an iconic product. And since then, people have done versions of that to varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. My two favorite toys, the Hitachi is my longest relationship. Definitely. The one I've had, I had for since before my daughter was born. I got it when I was pregnant. So it's like almost 10 years old. And like some of the cores were starting to fray and I figured this is a fire hazard. So um, I haven't, I don't know. Ooh, any buyers? I don't really want to throw it in the trash. It still works. It's just probably a fire hazard. Anyway, uh, buy my toy. Burn your house down. <laughs> um, but my other favorite toy is the Vesper. And that's because I can travel with it really easily. And also, I don't want a giant rumbly thing all of the time. Um, and also, if I'm introducing a toy to a new partner, I tend to start smaller because it can be less right. intimidating. That's exactly right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you have a partner, you also have to be thoughtful about their comfort level, you know. And I know from some what I've heard from customers in hetero relationships, mm-hmm. if you're just introducing a toy for the first time, bringing a big phallic cock and be like, "Hey, you know," it really mm-hmm. makes that man, you know, it can you know, make people feel uncomfortable. Totally correct, mm-hmm. correct. And so it's like you just want to be considerate of you know both partners. And mm-hmm. Vesper is one of those very benign and very giftable thing, you know, mm-hmm. that men love to purchase for partners um, because they're comfortable. It's jewelry. Who doesn't love jewelry? Um, and at the same time, it's easily introducible into a relationship of all kinds because it's just so small. Mm-hmm. That's actually interesting because now I'm realizing I introduced the Vesper first because, yeah, it was something I could use more easily and kind of surprise the that partner with. And then the wand I was more shy about where I was kind of like I hid it under my pillows and was like, hey, so <laughs> can you get behind me? Right, right. Because <laughs> happening. I, I, yeah, because also just, you know, it's so large. It, it's a I mean, first of all, if you're going to bring it to someone's home, it's a real commitment to put that in <laughs> yeah. your bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Got my overnight bag, adult sleepover. Um, Somebody says, oh, okay. So earlier I said, what are some common design issues you experience with sex toys? 
Someone said, I have a cock ring with a butt plug attached. <laughs> it feels like I'm strapping my balls down with zip ties uh, and not in a good way. Uh, someone says, I don't like the rabbit. It looked exciting, but never worked for me. I was sure I was the problem. They don't do shit for me either. I've tried like seven they, different kinds. I, I've actually, for, for me, I fall in that same camp um, because mm -hmm. also just the vibe, the way the motor works and how the phallic part spins like a fucking blender. Oh, sorry. I mean, because, but oh, like, a lot. I, like, like gyrate, like the way it gyrates, I'm just like, penis don't do that i mean it, it just it just felt like it was blending up my cervix and like it just my everything was just getting all mixed up it was not comfortable for me but you know but here's the thing is the beauty of sex toys is that what doesn't work for me doesn't mean it won't work for somebody else mm -hmm. you know and so mm -hmm. that's the whole point of having diversity in all sorts of toys and even the same person like you may not feel it one day you may want that later on, you know, mm -hmm. your preference can change and your mood can change depending on the, you know, mercury or whatever mm -hmm. in retrograde, you know, <laughs> someone says, oh, look, speaking of that, someone says the wand is too long, uh, makes fave positions hard, but nothing else is rumbly enough. So yeah, there you go. We have function over fashion. Uh, yeah. someone else says yes, with the rabbit head on rabbit vibes, not a one size fits all kind of girl. Someone says, why are the suction toys, the clit suction toys, one size fits all? The space sometimes seems so small. Yeah, those were, um, those were like a new genre of products, I would say, that was really introduced, you know, um, after Hitachi. And I find that the suction toys tend to work for people who really need a lot of power. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it creates that really intense, that intensity in a very different way. Instead of using a vibration of a motor, it uses air technology where it just covers, you know, an entire area and that just creates an immense intensity. And so for people who are more sensitive, I would say mm -hmm. that tend to not work for them. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm probably more on the sensitive side. Um, and that, I mean, I've tried like six different kinds and really just work for me, but I've had a girl, I have a girlfriend who swears by it and I'm just like, that's awesome. Go for it. You know? Mm -hmm. So it, it's different. I've tried, Oh my gosh. I've confession. I ha I own like three. I've tried one and I don't remember the other. So like a half <laughs> and like, they're cool. Honestly, for me, they're not strong enough. I am like, I mean, I punish my snatch. <laughs> so like I am one of those people that like typically likes it pretty hard or pretty intense. Um, so that's interesting. You say that definitely. Yeah, but, but, but also, but I will say like for me, I just could never get there. Like for me, it was almost so light and it, it, like it was just, for me, it was kind of annoying in that mm. this is my personal thing is that you have to hold it in a very specific way. True. And if you move out of that, then you, you lose that, that whole focus. And that is just not natural to how I masturbate or, or how I want to be holding a product. I want a toy that, became, that can kind of move with me instead of just like pointing something right at the clit and like, you know. Stay still. Hold. Yeah, so and like that. That's just not very natural to how I move. So yeah, that's, that's only fun with some types of play. Ooh, I just played. Since we're talking about sex toys, here's a um, you can do this actually with all kinds of toys. But uh, if you have your partner either tied up or you have them holding still with psychological bondage, um, mm. you can say either if you make noise, I'm gonna stop what I'm doing, or if you move, I'm gonna stop what I'm doing. 
Mm. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, ideas, friends. I'm having like I'm having sex again, so I'm I'm like reawakening. I'm coming back to life. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yay! Okay, so let's take a break, and then we will do some listener questions. Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net. Or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. Write to me, your host, Elle Stanger, theytalksex at protonmail.com. Write to our guest, T. Chang. She is the guest of the Sex Tech and Design episode. T, T-I, at lovecrave.com. Uh, lovecrave.com is the website and her personal website is designertea.com. Uh, so let's do some listener questions and we kind of maybe talked about some of this, but I could just talk about sex toys all day. What about you? Totally. I'm <laughs> the business. I've been doing this for 12, 13 years. Yeah. Bring it. <laughs> right. And it's like, I feel like every time I talk to someone else about sex, I learn something. Same, same. It never fails to surprise me and I'm always learning. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like, oh, people like that. I don't like that. But other people like that. That's fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So listener question one, are there sex toys that exist for people with very sensitive clits? Oh, absolutely. There are so many. I mean, there's actually uh, a couple from Craves that um, it's, it's, it has a focus stimulation, but it's not so much where like, for example, the Hitachi has a large surface area. And so mm. for people who are easily overwhelmed, having a little more focus uh, vibration that has a you know much lower setting, um, that can work. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also the funny thing is that, you know, this is one of the things about designing sex toys and, you know, people's journey, you know, in pleasure is that what, what one person considers as, as sensitive may not be the definition of what someone else thinks is sensitive, you know? And totally. so it is very hard to, there's no like this sensitivity meter that is standardized. I wish mm-hmm. there was, um, but there isn't. And so in order to find what works for you, it's like, you just have to start trying different products. And Absolutely. so when you have kind of a benchmark, then you can kind of like, okay, I need to learn more here. You know, you, you know where to move from there, but you just got to start trying stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can always, the poor man's option, put a blanket between it and you or towel um, mm-hmm. just to deaden, you, you know, Absolutely. some of the sensation. Yeah, through um, clothes, through clothes. Yeah. Clothing, yeah, yep. masturbation on the go. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then we kind of talked about this as well. Yeah. 
What are your thoughts on older designs that are considered classics, like the wand, versus newer designs? Oh, I think classics needs need to be re- revered. They mm. are classics for a reason. All hail. And yeah, because what makes, I think, something a classic is a few things. Um, one, it's visually distinct. Um, two, it's commercially successful. Um, and, and three, it, it brings something that did not exist before. It was something innovative about it, you know. Mm. And when you think of classics, all of those things fit within. The magic wand was a unique shape that, you know, it has that large head and that long handle mm-hmm. that becomes an archetype of shape that, that is very unique to that. Um, mm-hmm. It has been commercially successful for so long for a reason because people love it. People mm-hmm. love it. I would be interested to know, and maybe you know this, like the timeline of the wand, because I feel like the seventies it existed, but I don't know about before then. I know that different vibration machines existed since industrialization in the turn of the century. The but magic wand, I believe, yeah, came up in I believe nineteen like sixty four. Um, that's okay. when it was first released. But yes, basically, you know, around the seventies when it like kind of you know really picked up, took off. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and it that kind of came out of a few decades where I, I call like sex toys were in this camouflage mode. Um, mm. Camouflage in that they we kind of had to pretend that it was something else. <gasps> Sharper image. They're back massagers. Exactly. That's exactly right. Ah, exactly. Bingo. Childhood flashbacks. Yeah, because we weren't ready to to right. deal with the fact that it was for pleasure and it's for the you know for the right. you know for, for the vulva and things like that. So um, you got people so, yeah. using vibrating toothbrushes out here. Do you know how many of my friends? Oh. How many of my friends? They're like, oh yeah, a vibrating toothbrush and a plastic baggie over the top of it. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I um, so two years ago, I was like 2018. I drove out. I, I towed. Actually, we have this pop up shop. It's actually an airstream that's been renovated mm-hmm. into a pop up shop, and I towed that thing from San Francisco, doing you know activations all the way to New York and back. And Whoa. there's this one particular story because it relates to your um, electric toothbrush story. Is that through this? I remember being in the in the little airstream and like you know it's like our little all our stuff is out, and this one woman kind of walked in. And she was like kind of very quiet. I asked her if she needed these. She's like, no, I'm just looking. And then she goes, Oh, these are cool. But let me tell you about this store. She goes, My, she said, My dentist gave me an electric toothbrush 15 years ago. And that thing, that thing has never once touched my mouth. <laughs> I was just like dying. And you I know? just love the nonchalant way she said that. Yeah. Desperate times. What state were you in? That was, uh, was that the actually South? was in Berkeley. Actually, no, that was actually in Berkeley. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. In California. Innovate. So, yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cause some places of the country, it's still pretty restricted. I know Alabama used to have some mm-hmm. pretty severe rules. To this um, day, you still cannot sell sex toys. You cannot sell sex toys. <sighs> it's illegal to sell sex toys there. Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. So that is evidence for the need for subtle packaging if you're ordering online, Mm -hmm. you know, and we make jokes. You see memes and jokes about like getting a delivery that's like giant dildo delivery company, you know, (laughs) but like there's very real reasons why people have to feel the need to hide their their pleasure items. Oh, 100%. And as like a manufacturer and, you know, because well, all of our products are shipped from San Francisco and early on, we talked about what makes good, and you know, bad toys. 
you know, I, I actually, you know, I like to zoom out even more is that when someone decides to purchase a product from you, like as a manufacturer, I want to make sure like their whole experience feels good. Mm-hmm. And so for us, yeah. <laughs> and so for us, the, yeah, the, the, the literally, I know, I know. I love dad I'm jokes, sorry. by the way, you can yeah. do like, okay, it'll totally, um, I got it. <laughs> and, yeah. And so when it comes to shipping, we never want people to feel stressed about like, oh my God, mm-hmm. how's it going to come in? Is it going to have bright neon signs that says sex toy or vibrator on the side, mm-hmm. you know? And so we take that extra step of making sure that the way we package it is just really discreet. Mm-hmm. And uh, we even show people how we package it so that they have a peace of mind. So. Makes sense. Uh, let's, let's consider what are some other classic shapes, toys? Uh, how about anal beads? Yeah, Definitely. that has kind of become a thing. Yeah, I yeah, mean, if that, you I mean, see, that's... yeah, that shape. Uh, poor design on anal beads, and this is with the cheap plastic ones, is like the seams where the, the plastic is molded together will cut your butthole. <gasps> oh. oh, yeah. Oh, I got, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I did this listener oh. feedback earlier, uh, and we'll do some of this uh, horror stories later in the episode, but that multiple people said that. They're like, oh, I sliced my asshole open. Um, and I did have that experience one time when I worked at the porn shop. And I, I said, oh, let's try these $1.99 ones that we have on this oh. little turnstile by the door. Nope, Goodness. never. Right? And that's how I knew to, to not recommend them to the customers and say, hey, you know, you really want to get the $10 silicone ones over here. Um, <laughs> sometimes I we really have to reckon- suffer for our art, you yeah. know. Well, I, I think like nowadays, because there are other options available, I really recommend people to research the company behind it. And if you look on Amazon or you find a toy that you think you want, but you can't find a website, you know, you, you can only find a generic Amazon page. I would be like, uh, I don't really know. Because the risk in that is that not only, you know, could the product hurt you, but also what, let's say you buy this product and something you know, is defective. You don't, there's no recourse. There's no one you can write, you know, mm-hmm. a, a letter to or live chat with um, mm-hmm. because they don't stand by those products. And so I really highly recommend that don't go buy just the price point, um, mm-hmm. but buy the company. And also in Portland, there are some great shops there. Yeah. Um, that's that, right. Um, yeah. yeah. Shebop. Um, I mean, I, they're not, they don't sponsor me. They don't give me money for saying this, but Shebop is good. Uh, <laughs> I get yeah. stuff from fantasy sometimes. Yeah. And cool. and I think I, I try to tell people that if you go to these boutiques that are much more progressive and they, they curate, they take the time to curate and they'll educate you on good brands and, you know, products, mm-hmm. you know, I, if, even if you need something that's more budget, I would recommend going to those shops and talking mm-hmm. to those folks because then they can better steer you in the right way. Yeah, a lot of the people, not all, obviously, but a lot of the people who work in the shops that are, you know, cleaner and held in higher esteem, but even the little divey ones, you might be surprised at how knowledgeable some of these people are uh, and really appreciate talking to a mature, you know, customer that isn't being weird and furtive. Uh, and again, that's like people coming from their shame and embarrassment sometimes. Yeah. People who work in like those stores, I think they're like the frontline workers. Oh my God. Yes. Education. Yes. I really have to hand to them that like, there are so many questions that they're asked and they, they take you seriously. It's not Mm -hmm. like a joke for them. They, they know. And I so appreciate that. Like, Mm -hmm. cause we need more people who can speak on these things without making you feel bad or making you feel like, you know, like, like they don't take it seriously. And so, yeah, I highly Mm -hmm. recommend going to these. Yeah, absolutely. We salute you, you, uh, ethically minded porn shop clerks. Uh, definitely. 
Haha, <laughs> listener question three. A couple people asked this at the same time. Why are so many sex toys pink? Do you think? Because they're for girls and girls like pink. Yeah, it's basically it's <laughs> what men think women want. It's what yeah. men think women want. Yeah. Okay, listener question four. How would you, T, how would you determine if a toy is user-friendly? I have a thought. turns on and off fairly easily. Yeah, I so that goes to intuition. Is it intuitive to use? Something that's thoughtfully designed, you should be able to just pick it up and turn it on, turn it off, you know, mm-hmm. without having to read a whole manual about it. So I think that is very user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think of user, I think of like, you know, like I said, the whole experience. So yeah, how does the product turn on and off? How easy is it to clean it? Okay. Is yes. this, you know, waterproof for what you want? Cause you know, when something's waterproof, you can, you, you don't have to stress as much about like, Oh my God, you know, like, you know, whatever. Oh. Um, just I just easy. got period blood on my, um, Vesper uh-huh. and I know it was like Should a I milestone. Go? I totally, I was like, Oh my God. Well, I didn't realize it until later. And I came upon my toy and I was like, Oh, dried blood on my toy. Gross. And then it, <laughs> I was delightfully like surprised how easy it was to wash it in the sink under warm water and a tiny bit totally. of soap. Yeah, because so. it's it's made from um, stainless steel. So, you know, it, it's it's not going to stay there. So you just nice. clean it just like you would anything else. So why is, why is it a magnet? Why does it magnetize to my bed? And is that bad for it? That's my listener question. Wait, what is a magnet? Yeah, oh, it, what is a magnet? My, if I hang my necklace on my bed frame, it wants to stick to the side of it. Oh, oh, that is such an interesting question. Okay, so basically, <laughs> it has to do with the motor. Um, oh, wow. There is polarization inside. It's what gets the motor. Like, I'm not an engineer. Um, I just know a little bit about it, but I can ask my engineer for much more detail. But basically, we have a my, tiny micro motor that's inside the Vesper. And to get the um, the counterweight to, you know, spin all motors, they have some pol- polarity in there. Mm-hmm. And so that's what causes wow. that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Holy crap. But Thank don't you. treat it as a fridge magnet because no. it's not going to stick like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that was my other question. I'm like, this is cool, but I mean, is this bad for it? No, no, no. Wonderful. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for taking my, my fifth uh, spontaneous listener question. Uh, okay, everybody. So let's take another break and we will be right back. And we're going to read some horror stories uh, about sex toys because that's always fun to laugh at other people's pain consensually. <laughs> hey, everybody. I want to turn you on to Good Clean Love. It's one of my favorite brands from right here in the Pacific Northwest. Their almost naked organic lube is water-based, so it's perfect for sex with a partner when using a condom or with your favorite toys. It's the best-selling organic lube in the country, and I think you'll really love it. Go to goodcleanlove.com forward slash L and check out my personalized collection of favorite products, including pH balancing wipes, suppositories for bacterial vaginosis, massage candles, and lubricants. Use code L20 and take 20% off your first purchase. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. 
Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at oshihana.com. That's momotaroapotheca.com and oshihana.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. My guest T. Chang is here to talk to me about sex tech and design uh, as promised. So I asked my social media audience. I am on Instagram at stripperwriter. My backup is L hyphen Stanger. I hope I don't have to go to that one. What a mess. Let's talk about tech real quick. What a messy app lately, right, T? Yeah, yeah. It Holy is uh, always been a crazy app. We have a love-hate relationship with it. We sure do. Oh, my God. This is like I'm trapped in this like mutually beneficial and exploitative relationship it feels like ah like i need you but i really really hate you do you still have the ability to link uh yes i do i do good yeah and i was just gonna say it for us it's anyone who you know create these products and or you know work in adult living it isn't like just this necessary evil Mm -hmm. and using social media despite the restrictions and the censorship yes absolutely absolutely yep so Oh, this is what I was talking about earlier. So I asked, uh, tell me your horror stories about sex toys, please. Someone says, my bestie was drunk with her boyfriend and he ended up Beyblading her with anal beads. I don't know what Beyblading sounds like. What does that mean? Oh, I feel so old. I feel like a dinosaur. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Sounds painful. I think that's what I was describing earlier. Uh Someone says, in a state of subspace, the device was really locked in and I was unable to release any pressure for several minutes. This was my cock and ball torture, ball stretcher and crusher with spikes. During self-play, I had pressed my limits. Okay. He said, after orgasm, I was stuck. (laughs) I hope he had the key or was able to release himself soon after. Totally. Um, someone says my rubber cock ring snapped while I was using it hurt like a bitch. <laughs> uh, someone I just says, imagine like a rubber band snapping. Yeah. And then, like just smacking you. Oh, anybody who's like used rubber bands enough, you know, when you're like going to put your hair up and it like breaks on your wrist, you're like, ah, fuck. Yes. That's just, yeah. But on your, and I'm so sad because usually that's like my last one. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, things just got chaotic. Uh, someone says, I thought I could sterilize my rubber dildo by boiling it. It's split in half. Yeah. Then maybe that wasn't silicone. Oh yeah. No, they said it was rubber. Yeah. Silicone. Yes. Uh, someone says I lost a toy plug and didn't realize it until I pooped it out at work two days later. How is that possible? It must've like, there must've been a bunch. I mean, I'm sure it's possible. There must've been a bunch of stuff in there. That is above my pay grade. I can't even imagine how that happened. <laughs> like, I got really drunk and put my vibrator in the freezer one day, and I know that because I found <laughs> it in the morning. <laughs> I was, like, 19. I'm like, where's my vibrator? And then, like, I went to get the vodka the next day because I w- am an alcoholic. You were so advanced. You know, you are you were already <laughs> doing temperature play before it was, uh, like, a thing. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could take credit. Um, let's see. Someone else says... 
<laughs> I accidentally, this is the opposite. I accidentally shot a butt plug out and across the bed. <laughs> Luckily, I was by myself at the time. <laughs> uh, ooh, there was some sharp seam on some plastic anal beads and it sliced my bum hole. There we go. <sighs> Someone says, I bought a dildo off Amazon and left it in the sun. It started to melt in all caps. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. Those questionable sex toys, like, you know, those, you really have to be careful with like the Amazon listings because a lot of those are like shell companies. They don't even really exist. Mm -hmm. And so there's just no, you know, accountability whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Someone says, I developed an allergy to the first toy I ever used. Imagine that discussion with the doctor. I wonder how that happens. Interesting. Huh. Someone says, my ex craft made a dildo from silicone in a mold it broke off inside of them Boy. yeah molding silicone is a real art and you know there's a lot of controls you know to to make sure that the whole thing is properly molded and if not then yeah you could have things like that mm-hmm. so there you go there's some horror stories <laughs> I'm trying to think, do you have any that come to mind? I don't. I mean, these things, I mean, have happened. I mean, I think, you know, you said you've worked in a, um, mm-hmm. in a, a retail toy spaces. store. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And those are the places that are just like right for all these mm-hmm. things. And I'm sure, you know, um, other, uh, you know, doctors. I remember one time I went on a uh, Tinder date uh, like a few years ago. And upon meeting this guy, I was like, oh my God, I know we're not going to connect. And, mm-hmm. But the reason I stayed for the date was because he was an ER doctor and I wanted him to tell <laughs> me the stories. And he told me some really interesting things. Um, he said, um, I was fascinated by this. He goes, when someone, he goes, like, it's very common for things to have uh, come into the ER with things up their butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, inadvertently. And there's sometimes there are things that are just in there and they don't really feel it, but it's just in there. They don't, you know, they have taken an x-ray and they see this whole six inch dildo that's in their butt. Oh. The guy's just sitting in the waiting room. Like, oh, like, know, no oh big, my no God. Yeah. And he told me oh. that in the ER, um, what happens is that uh, the first uh, thing they would do is find the nurse with the smallest hand. <gasps> Practical. Oh, yeah, God. yeah, oh, that's God. kind of the first oh, thing. God. And then um I would have to that... go up the butts all the time. I have tiny little hands. <laughs> oh. Um oh. yeah, and then he goes, if that doesn't work, then they, they give him some, you know, laxative and hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. that'll come out. Uh that's the second course of action. <sighs> and he goes, The last resort is when they put you under they basically just kind of knock you out mm-hmm. um, and then relax they just go in there and pull it out. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And he goes, that's the roughest. You don't ever want to be there. Uh, so at least that's according to him. That's what he told me. You know, so that was enlightening. Thank you for your story. And I probably too would have sat through that date. Um, the best thing about, not the best, one of the best things about being a stripper is I get to hear interesting stories from people. And it's kind of like a date. They're all hopefully never see them again. Uh, <laughs> I talked to a nurse who said that about once a week they had to address something like that, that she personally did on shift. And she said, so uh, the first two steps, what you said, the third step, instead of putting them totally under, she said they'd use a, a local localized shot. So shoot you in the, in the butthole with a uh, numbing 
Oh. And relax like a muscle relaxer so that your anus and everything just kind of opens up and then they go in there and try to get it out that way. Uh, So make sure. I'm not feeling good after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think, I mean, the question is how can we avoid stuff like this? Um, Well, especially like for the butt. I mean, there's already, you know, any – any you know flared base toy clerk will tell you yeah exactly yeah. completely you know flare base it needs to have that you can't just make how do. solid is the toy is it something that you think you could break off in your like with your hands you could probably break it off in your butt so avoid that yeah definitely oh. i mean think about it like if i pick up a toy that's one of the first things i'm looking at is like is this going to break off inside me or how breakable is this personally Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of scary, and and that goes back to uh, you know reputable you know companies and mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So I found a really interesting article. Um, I love seeing stuff like this. This was on Mike.com. It's called "For Disabled People: Sex Toys Aren't Just for Pleasure." Uh, a lot of us people who don't think about or experience chronic pain, serious chronic pain disability. Yeah. We're not used to seeing these conversations. Right. Uh, this person says, assistive tech is considered respectable and necessary. Sex toys should be seen the exact same way. This is written by someone named Sarah Youngblood Gregory. So she says there's a gaping void in the industry. <laughs> Gape, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> she said, assistive tech is any product, piece of equipment, or system that enhances learning, working, and daily livings for persons with disabilities. This can look like speech-to-text software, a wheelchair, or a specialized keyboard. But what makes assistive tech so important and refreshing, she says, is that it's not meant to fix, cure, or rehabilitate disabled people, but rather meet them where they're at. Sex, like all assistive tech, has a big influence over quality of life. Uh, so you can kind of see where this is going. She says disabled people often, such as herself, she says, often occupy a difficult, contradictory space in the sexual landscape. Uh, infantilization, desexualization, and medicalization all form the noxious cultural beliefs that neglect and stigmatize disabled individuals' access to sexual pleasure. Uh, yeah, sounds Sounds accurate. Sounds like what I have been told. Um, It's been brought up before, you know, what do you do or what could it look like if you're living under assisted care where you're monitored? Like, how do you masturbate? Are you allowed to masturbate? Is the staff okay with that? Is there a way for them to give you space and time? Where do your sex toys go? Who cleans them? Um, Thoughts, T. Yeah, I think this is really, like, really, really difficult to answer because, you know, there are a lot of, there's some, you know, disabled folks who are not living in assistive homes and they're, mm-hmm. you know, independent in, in some ways, but, you know, mm-hmm. oh, totally. there are some that are, and their abilities, you know, are going to be widely different and their needs are going to be widely different. Um, but I do think that this is an important aspect of designing products that we don't talk enough about. Um, Nike actually this year, or I think last year came out with this shoe that enables folks to just be able to step in and it'll close 
Um, huh. So you don't have to deal with laces and things like that. So it was designed for, as an assistive technology for um, disabled folks. But what's really magical about that particular shoe is that when you design something like this, it actually could work for other people too, like mm-hmm. a lot of folks. So it just makes it, you know, it makes you get into that shoe much easier and no hassle. So mm-hmm. I think the more user research that we do and we widen the gamut of people that we include in that research, we could find insights um, for one population that could really add to others. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Yeah. This is why feedback is so important too. In this article, it says, historically speaking, and we were talking about this earlier, I wonder what the history is. Vibrators and personal massagers were absolutely used in a clinical setting for a number of ailments, including insomnia, paralysis, epilepsy, gout, constipation, and yes, sometimes hysteria. Um, the electric vibrator invented by physician Joseph Mortimer Granville in the 1880s was meant to be a medical device for tired working men. Interesting. It wasn't until the early 1900s that vibrators were marketed not to physicians as medical tools, but to all consumers as household appliances for both men and women. Yeah, it's actually the vibrators, I think it's like the fifth electric device to be Mm, patented. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Sex is always on the forefront. Totally. Yeah. People are sexual beings. It makes sense. Uh, yeah, so this speaks to, I think, accessibility and simple design, things that are made simply and with integrity. Yeah, and I want to add that this particular, I mean, this narrative, you know, is, is so true. Like, if you think about in the early 1800s, how these products came about, it came from a medical point of view and thinking like there's something wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. we viewed women's pleasure as as hysteria, as a real disease that later on the American Psychological Association then, you know, got rid of as a label, mm-hmm. as an actual disease, because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this attitude towards women's pleasure um, has really informed the products that are created in that space. Mm-hmm. So back then, um, it also maps to industrial revolution. So for example, in the early 1900s, that's when the industrial revolution and the products became electrified. And now you had appliances um, that kind of changed that product into something that is very consumer friendly. And so they were advertised in like Sears and Roebuck catalogs. Right. And, you know, it was widely embraced as like, kind of like, you know, sh- as a kind of charlatan kind of a solution catch-all for anything, you know, it's for your beauty, it's for your face, it's for your back, Um, you know? And, and after that, we enter the period of like 1930s and, you know, forties where you started having, um, porn, um, like moving pictures and Mm -hmm. vibrators kind of started to go into that. And then it was very clear that, okay, this is for pleasure, but then we, as a society, we weren't really ready to kind of talk about that. And so that's when after the thirties, forties, around fifties, they started going to hiding in the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. And so then you kind of have the Hitachi type of, um, right. um, camouflage thing. Exactly. That is for right. X, Y, and Z. And so I guess I, I want to point this out. Like this is sort of, this, this is the actual evolution of the attitude towards women's pleasure. And so now in the 21st, you know, in the century, we now can finally embrace pleasure for what it is, just pleasure. We don't have to think of it as, oh, it's a medical device or it has to be a back massager. So as a designer, I can actually design it for the experience it ought to be. 
without mm. any kind of cultural stigma and things like that. And so we're in a really exciting time. And so, you know, mm. hopefully that'll just get better and better and mm. we see better products. Totally. People just need pleasure because life is hard and we're all stressed. Um, and there's definitely going to be folks that you're going to have to like softly like get them on board and, and like justify the idea of using them in more conservative areas. You know, like Alabama, if you need a doctor's note, maybe this will help your insomnia. Like that's still where it is for some people, but that's not right. where we want to be. So that's why we keep moving to make this stuff more accessible. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? Can you think of anybody you look up to or anything you keep your eye on? Yeah. I mean, there are so many sex educators that I feel like I'm constantly learning from. Um, and also the research that we do when we're developing products, um, because we have a very close ear to, um, you know, people using our products in order to better understand if this is a product we should design or move forward with. So like some of the, um, sex educators like L chase, um, yeah, has been really amazing. I love Shannon Boudrum because she's like the, that perfect, like entertainment. Edu, edu, what is it called? Edutainment is edutainment. Yeah. yeah, edutainment. Yeah, um, and she's super knowledgeable. Um, and there are just more and more people that they use Instagram or YouTube. Oh, Lindsay Doe, for example, Dr. Lindsay Doe, of course. Um, but these are folks that have been talking about this for a long time in a way that's very accessible and easy to understand. You know, you just have to look for it. Um, mm -hmm. But they, they've been, they've been some great ones. Awesome. Yeah. Elle we had on the show. She was great. Uh, we talked about her book, Curvy Girl Sex and Body mm -hmm. Image Stuff. Um, so you've already given a lot of help, but I do ask all of my guests, do you have any sex tips for our audience? Be curious, be curious. I think the worst thing, you know, for people's sex lives is when they decide that, oh, I know everything. I don't need anything else. And they stop being curious and, and explore different products or different positions. Um, so I just tell people, just stay curious about these mm, things. You know? I love that. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is great advice. Thank you so much, T, for coming on. Folks can find you lovecrave.com. Well, they can find you at designertea.com and then follow you on Instagram. At designertea. Yeah. Yes. Designertea. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One word. And I'll see you on the internet. Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. This thank was you. fun. Until next time. Woohoo. Hey everybody, it's Elle. Are you ready for some discount codes? You can get 20% off cool t-shirts like the ones you've seen on Instagram by feministtrash.com. If you enter all caps, L Stanger, that's my name. I recommend using the code STRIPPERWRITER for 10% off your orders, $35 or more on sexual wellness items from unboundbabes.com. This is one of my favorite websites. And I know some of you enjoy the Vesper toys on lovecrave.com. You can use all caps code L for a free engraving on your Vesper toys. It's one of my favorite vibrators and I also use it to calm down like a uh, sternum vibrator. 
Nobody's ever asked, but I do indeed receive a portion of sales. Thank you so much to these affiliates for offering to do so. And I'm happy to recommend their products. And please let me know listeners what products you like or any feedback about anyone I ever recommend, be it in show or in social media or here.